Star Wars Action News is brought to you in part by Brian's Toys. At Brian'sToys.com, you can find Star Wars toys and collectibles from 1977 to the present. Brian's Toys has it all, from vintage toys and action figures right up to the latest releases. And when checking out, be sure to say you were referred to Brian's Toys by Star Wars Action News. So go check out the world's largest selection of Star Wars toys at Brian'sToys.com. listening to Star Wars Action News, your source for Star Wars collecting news, reviews, and updates, helping Star Wars collectors collect better. Be sure to check out our website at SWActionNews.com, where you can see photos of the items discussed, chat with other Star Wars Action News listeners, and much more, including information on how you can be part of the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Star Wars Action News. This is our year-end review show. I'm Marjorie. I'm Arnie, and we have joining us a plethora of people. Coming to us all the way across the pond, the always caffeinated because we make him stay up to the wee hours, Ginger Prince. Greetings, this is Steve, and it's past the midnight hour. Then a little bit more domestic, we have Jerry. Hey guys, Jerry here. And Brock. Hello all. Andrew, our newest podcast enhancer. Hey, everybody. And also joining us, we heard from them at Celebration 6, Chris. How you guys doing out there? And Sarah. Hi, all. So let's take a look back at this year. Let's just start and go in reverse order here. And just what is your Star Wars thought on 2012? Looking back at this year, because it's been kind of a crazy year. I started making notes to myself. I can't believe how much actually happened this year. Sarah, we'll start with you. Oh, goodness. There's too much. I think my best memory, though, is Celebration 6. I had an absolutely awesome time um, meeting new people, hanging out with you guys, old friends, new friends. It was just spectacular. And then, obviously, to hear that, you know, Disney bought Star Wars. (laughs) That kind of made it really special for me because I'm a huge Disney fan. And to see the two things that Chris and I love so much come together, you know, though not everybody may agree with it. I, I really am looking forward to seeing what Disney can do. Chris, how about you? It was a, it was a big year. I mean, a, a lot of different things. Um, I think the highlight, obviously, as Sarah touched on, was Celebration 6. Just, yes, it's a Star Wars convention, but at the end of the day, for me, it's all about seeing seeing old friends, making new friends, meeting people you've never met, and just connect, making those connections that you wouldn't otherwise make. Um, so that was definitely the highlight and we came away with, with more friends than we went in with, which is usually the case when you go to one of those. Um, and then you have the Disney news, which is huge. Sarah kind of pretty much covered that for us, so I won't beat that horse anymore. But I think the other thing that I think to touch on year in review is uh, uh, the toys. Um, I think you know Hasbro kind of still had some distribution problems, and it seemed to me there was a little less out there this year. Um, if we're talking strictly Hasbro, if you're talking everybody, there is there is a decent selection. So from from a collecting standpoint, uh, there is still a lot going on. Andrew, what about you? Looking back over the year, uh, well, it was an interesting year for for me. Uh, my wife and I uh, had our first child this year, and um, what was exciting for me was uh, seeing all of my friends buy her Star Wars clothing and Star Wars books that she doesn't really understand, but I really enjoy them. Uh, other than that, um, Celebration 6, absolutely. Uh, because we had uh, just had our daughter, I ended up attending uh, by myself uh, for the first time uh, since Celebration started. And it was a different experience for me because of that. I met a group of people there that uh, we started a uh, Facebook group and have been talking to each other pretty much daily since then, just about you know Star Wars and and life in general. And that's just it's it's just been great um, hanging out with those those folks as well. Jerry, how about you? You know, if I had to describe 2012, I think I would sum it up in one word, and it's very it's disconnected. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but uh, let me just uh, explain my my thought here. When I look back at the year and think that, hey, we got 
Star Wars in 3D for the first time with Phantom Menace. We had, you know, the vintage collection with Hasbro. We had Celebration, Lucas buying Disney. And it didn't seem like all these things happened in the same year. It's unbelievable that all these things just went down in the last 10 to 12, you know, calendar months since we've uh, talked last. And, you know, at least for the year in review. And it's weird because there's not been a theme to this year. Usually you can kind of wrap your, your your arms around, okay, this year was about this. You know, 2007, 30th anniversary. This year was about, you know, Clone Wars premiere. You know, you, you could sum it up with a couple of different things, but this year just didn't have a theme. It just, everything was so disconnected and, and scattered. Not saying that it was bad, and, you know, I think it was a good year, but you're not really sure how to summarize what 2012 meant for the Star Wars fans. Yeah, I think you took the words right out of my mouth. That's what I was noticing when I was writing stuff down. I'd have to ask Marjorie, did The Phantom Menace really come out in 3D this year? Feels like two years ago at least. Steve, how about you? What's it like over in the UK in 2012? Well, it's been just as crazy, really, from my point of view. From seeing Star Wars again in the theatres, which is always a joy with The Phantom Menace in February, um, right through to the excitement of Star Wars Celebration 6 in, in Orlando in August, which was absolutely fantastic, seeing seeing old friends. And then, of course, acquiring new owners um, with the Disney takeover and that mind-blowing news and all the sort of future opportunities that, that brings, including a, another celebration next year. I must say that I think it's probably the year that I've bought least uh, in, in terms of toys and collectibles for the last couple of years. Uh, Chris was talking about um, distribution being a little slow uh, and I, th I think it is the year in, in which I've probably put down least cash in, in terms of the sort of collectibles that I've bought over the entire year but all in all a, a crazy whirlwind year. Marjorie what were your memories of the year? I just can't believe that Phantom Menace is how we started out this year because it seems so long ago and so different than where we are today. I did never get to see Phantom Menace in theaters because I always had Star Wars with my mom and my mom passed away in 95. So I did get to see it with Arnie and I'm really glad that we saw it where we did. We got to see it in New York in a historic theater and it was a great time. Theater was sparsely populated, but it still made for a great show. And it's a celebration year. Those are always fantastic. I had a wonderful time. And I just, celebration's all about friendship. The Star Wars is kind of the icing on the cake. We all go there for that. But the, the big fun is hanging out with people. And I think it's wonderful. I did get more into vintage this year and have been picking up a lot more vintage stuff. And I am really focusing on my character collecting this year, which has really turned into something big, too. So it's been a good year. And for me, I look back on this year and I'm kind of echoing what you guys said, as I've already mentioned. It's such a strange year to be a Star Wars fan. And I think that a lot of things have happened for me personally in life. We moved to a new house at the beginning of the year. We were still settling in. My collection was just boxed up at the end of last year. So personally, it's been just a strange year and we've done so much. In addition to just going to Celebration, we and many of the people on this call worked Celebration and were volunteers and Marjorie and I chaired the social area and so much work went into that and so much fun was had planning it. We also went up to Seattle where we got to meet the members of the Sarlacc fan collecting group and see Gus Lopez's collection, see the original Death Star from A New Hope. And to think that we've crammed all of that into 12 months is astounding. It's just so crazy what this year has been. And I think that's why it feels like it's been two or three years since The Phantom Menace came out. And The Phantom Menace re-released at the beginning of the year. Marjorie and I, as she mentioned, saw it up in New York. What about you guys? How did you see it? Jerry, we'll start with you. You know, actually, I only saw it one time, and which kind of surprised me. I, I figured I would go more than once because, you know, it's still Phantom Menace, but you know, how often do you get a chance to see that in a theater? You know, any of them. I mean, seeing them in a theater is it's just it's monumental in a lot of ways. So I, I saw it a Friday afternoon, took, uh, you know, took my son. It's just the two of us to, to go see it, um, which was really cool because he he was, you know, two years away from being born, you know, when Phantom Menace came out. So it's kind of cool to take him to see it at, you know, he's 10 at the time. Um and the theater was, uh, we probably saw like a four o'clock show and the theater was about half full. It was actually a pretty good crowd. And when we left, the uh, 
you know, the prime time 7.30 whatever showing was just getting ready to start. And there was a huge presence with the 501st, the uh, R2 Builders, which is actually how I you know, kind of reconnected with my friend uh, Steve, who had come to uh, Celebration 6 with his R2. That's actually kind of where we ran into each other again. I saw they had an R2, and it's just like, holy cow, you know, all the new things he's doing. So that was kind of cool. And, you know, I, I actually really enjoyed it. I, you know, loved watching it. I thought the 3D was, 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 was nice. It wasn't spectacular, but I think it was done well enough that I didn't feel like it was some just weird, cheesy gimmick. But at the same time, I felt like I was just sitting there watching Star Wars, having a good time with my son, and enjoyed getting a couple pairs of those Darth Maul glasses. And, you know, it was, it was a... It was a nice little event. Chris, Sarah, how about you guys? Oddly enough, we did not end up going to see Phantom Menace in the theaters for a couple of different reasons. The main one being since, although it is Star Wars and I love all Star Wars, it is the least favorite of the movies and I get migraines from 3D. So I we made the decision not to. Now, I kind of heard after the fact, after everyone had seen it, that Really, the, the effects weren't that bad, so I definitely plan to to see uh, when the when the next ones come out, see it in the theater. But we kind of missed the ball on that one. Andrew, how about you? My wife and I went. Uh, it was a Saturday afternoon, and uh, like Jerry, it was uh, about half full, which I thought was pretty good for a Saturday afternoon show. And uh, we didn't go to the, an AMC theater, but uh, some of those. Uh, amazing pod racer goggles uh, that were given out at AMC theaters found their way online, and I had ordered a couple of them. So my wife and I walked into the theater wearing those goggles, and boy, if that didn't get attention from some of the kids in the in the theater, man, they were they were really wishing that they had some of those. But that that was probably my my favorite part was that my wife was actually game for wearing the goggles into the theater and steve as the only person who saw it internationally what was it like over there well i saw it on friday the 10th of february here in the uk uh we went to see it on uh, on what was opening night at a local cinema in ashton i'm so jealous that you got to see it in new york and we were just down the road in boring old ashton um and to be honest i'd sort of been at work all day i'd been at the pub afterwards had a few pints um, so I was reasonably tired when I got in there and I, I really just let the film wash over me didn't really notice the 3D over much it just sort of added depth to to a lot of the uh, the, the scenes it, it's not like they had Maul's lightsabers popping out at your face you know it, it was just the added depth and I've got to be honest I probably closed my eyes one or two times during the film maybe didn't see all of the film maybe slept a, a little bit through it at times but you can when you when you know a film and, and you love it so much um, I, we just saw it the one time like Jerry did and probably the, the best thing that came out of it was uh, as Andrew suggested some of the freebies that we were able to pick up um, I got a really cool uh, film poster that I've since had framed that was just given away in the foyer uh, you know at a big mall with his double bladed lightsaber right at the front and the two pod racers splitting out off the sides and then um, my friend, my, my best friend Paul who did go and see it at an AMC theatre I went to the Cineworld chain uh, but Paul picked up those Podrace goggles and um, it, both him and his missus went and they, they picked me up a pair as well. So I've now got a pair of those fantastic Podrace goggles. And I, I really like these little freebies that, that come with a release like this. Uh, I too w will be sort of venturing into cinemas to see all the others as they come out in 3D. Um, but I, I've always been a big defender of The Phantom Menace and I'm surprised to hear Chris say it's only his sixth favourite film. For me, it's my third favourite film out of the six. Um, and and it, it was really just like slipping into a comfortable pair of shoes watching it on the big screen. It was a, a, a real treat. Yeah, I have to say, seeing it in New York really helped make that special. I've told the story on the show many times about how I kind of overdosed on Phantom Menace way back in 99. And it's kind of like a kid whose parents lock him in the closet with a pack of cigarettes and say, you can't come out till you've smoked all the cigarettes. I was so excited with The Phantom Menace and so OCD. I'm like, well, I have to catch up and see The Phantom Menace as many times as I've seen the other Star Wars films, which I'd been watching since I was three. And so I went and saw 
every single showing the first day and most of the showings that weekend. And by the end of the weekend, I was kind of sick of it. And Marjorie and I started dating in 2000 when it was released on VHS before DVD was really big. And I remember buying the collector's edition VHS and Marjorie was into Star Wars, but we put it in. I walked away from it. I couldn't watch it on VHS still. I stopped collecting for a year after The Phantom Menace just because of burnout. And I got back into it around 2001. So Phantom Menace and I have this weird relationship where I love the film, but it's the one I find hardest to watch to this day because I've watched it so often in so short a time that I really the pacing flaws are extraordinarily evident. But seeing it in theaters, in 3D, in New York, in this gorgeous theater, with Yoda in the third seat, getting the free Darth Maul glasses... It really did make me enjoy The Phantom Menace in a way I haven't since that opening night in 1999. I possibly enjoyed it a little more because I was able to hear it because it was a pretty empty theater for us. It was a matinee. We were covering Toy Fair. And when I saw Phantom Menace in theaters, there were so many roaring crowds and crying children that I wasn't able to enjoy it as much. You know, Arnie, that's a really interesting point. I noticed the same thing. I mean, I've I've sat down to try to watch... The Phantom Menace on DVD, you know, just to, you know, try to watch them all six and kind of consecutive weekends type thing. And I find myself chapter skipping through a lot of things, but I thoroughly enjoyed watching it and no point in time thought to myself, oh, come on, come on, get to the next scene, get to the good part, get to the good part. It, it, it was it was enjoyable that way. And I, and I liked seeing it that way and definitely look forward to getting back to back movies, you know, later in 13. And it's kind of surprising that they did that. I mean, if you remember when they were starting to talk about this 3D thing, the whole point was one a year, one a year. And then there was questions about whether they'd do it again or not, even because we said our theater was empty. It didn't set the world on fire with box office being a re-release and being the Phantom Menace, honestly. So that they're doing the next ones back to back, it both makes sense for a number of reasons that we now know, and is exciting, because I always thought the way they did the special editions in the 90s was perfect. They built up the hype, they kept it going. I remember in 97 having the wonderful experience of being able to watch the entire original trilogy in theaters at one time in one day, and just make a marathon out of A New Hope, Empire, and Jedi. So a year apart, it seemed to be gilding the lily a little bit for me. But now, of course, we know Episode 7 is coming, so it makes sense. Let's kind of get through the prequels, and then after that, have the original trilogy as a wonderful lead-up to the next chapter in the saga, which kind of leads us to the second big thing of this year. I think we thought The Phantom Menace would be as big as it gets, but I remember just the way I felt the floor fell out from under me when they announced there was going to really be an episode 7. It wasn't a joke, it wasn't a hoax, it wasn't an internet prank, it was really happening. And that was something that just kind of turned my world on its ear. Yeah, I don't quite know still how to process this, and it's one of those things that I know there's been rumors the entire time we've been Star Wars fans, oh, Lucas has these written, blah, blah, blah. I, I still don't know how to feel about this. Can you improve on where Return of the Jedi ended. I mean, what's there to tell? I know we have the EU, but do we need to see that in a movie? Is it going to be that? We don't even know what it's going to be. And I'm trying really hard not to be an armchair quarterback. I'm not even reading where, oh, all the stars are saying they will gladly jump back into their Star Wars roles. Of course they will. Even Harrison Ford needs a job right now. Exactly. So telling me that the third stormtrooper from the left said he'd reprise his role, don't care. I'm not reading anything about directors. I'm just, I'm going to be zen about this and spoiler free, and I'm just going to watch it when it comes out. I'm still just so conflicted inside on it, though. It, it's hard to process. It's, it's like your parents are divorced and they're getting back together. <laughs> I'm the same way. I refuse to read these rumors. People email me all the time and be like, did you hear Damon Lindelof is going to direct? I'm like, no, because there's just so many rumors and none of them are really reliable. I think that the only reliable information is coming from Lucasfilm. It will change. The rumors will become more correct as time goes on. But right now, it's all so speculative that I'm just 
refusing to read. But what about you guys? Steve, start with you. How are you processing this? And we all talked about it the night of, but I feel we've all, you know, you mentioned the divorce, Marjorie. Now that we've had time to come to terms with it and we aren't so shell-shocked, how is it looking for you? You see, I'm the exact opposite. I'm reading absolutely every rumor that I can, and I'm enjoying just playing with all those possibilities in my mind. The more directors I hear, the more people I hear who want, who want to be involved with the project, the more directions that it possibly could take. All this is spinning around my mind, and I'm just loving the uh, the excitement that comes with all that rumour. Um, since I've had time to sort of process the initial news, I'm, I'm quite happy with myself that Disney are a safe pair of hands for the franchise that I love. Um, I'm, I'm really glad that the influence of Lucas will be reduced to what he's good at, uh, ideas, and he, he's going to leave all the other stuff to people way more competent than him. Um, I, I'm also glad that people like McCallum are now well out of the, the picture as well. So I, I feel there's a safe safe pair of hands and a, a safe team going to be guiding this. I, I'm, I'm very nervous about how, what's going to happen to the EU. Not because I'm a big EU guy myself, um, but I, I know a lot of, of EU people and I'm just worried about how much that's going to get trampled um, and, and how those people are, are, are going to take it. Um, but I, I have got a, a similar Zen approach, I suppose, to Marjorie in that I'm, I'm approaching it as if I, I'll, if I like it, I'll take it. If I don't like it, I can leave it alone. A, a little bit like I am doing with, with the Clone Wars. Um, I'm, you know, I, I do watch some of it. I like some of it. And then there's other bits that I, I can just completely ignore and, and leave alone. And I think if you, if you can go with that approach, then I don't see that there's much apprehension there I'm just more in a mode of excitement really and I really can't wait for this constant drip feed of information that we're going to get over the next 18 months Um, it's just going to make it a really fabulous exciting time Chris, Sarah? I'll let Sarah start with this one because she has kind of a unique perspective. Well I think for me this new episode 7 coming out is going to be I guess what Star Wars is to everybody else right now who's, who's grown up with it, who's done the collecting for so many years this is going to be my first star wars really that i'm excited about you know i'm not the huge collector chris is you guys are so for me this is like really new really exciting and i'm i want to see it you know but this is the first star wars film that i actually want to go see this is you know new and exciting to me it's just it's new i've never been that way about the other movies that have come out for this and for me i'm I hate to use the phrase uh, that's been thrown around quite a bit, but I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. Obviously, I'm, I'm very happy that they're doing Episode 7 because I, I think I said when the news hit that, that Star Wars kind of needed a boost in the arm, in my opinion. And I think this, you know, this gives it that boost in the arm that it needs to keep it, I don't want to say relevant because I think it'll always be relevant, but to keep it up there in, in pop culture. Um, so I'm, I'm very excited as far as rumors and following stuff online. I see the, the Twitter posts and then the Facebook posts and that. I don't really put too much stock in them. I like what Steve said, uh, and that's kind of reminded me of what I do, is you, you kind of hear these rumors and you kind of play with it in your mind and go, how would that go? I think for me, what I'm looking forward to the most is finding out what direction they're going to take it in because they've kind of made it clear that they're not going to follow the books. So what direction are we going in then? So I think that's what has me most excited. Marjorie brings up a good question. Can you really improve on the end of Return of the Jedi? That's a tough one. I guess only time will tell. Jerry? You know, I'm, uh, I'm happy to see that the story is going to continue. I, I, I think you can do a lot of interesting things with it. You can obviously go off and make something really cruddy <laughs> as well. But I think the best thing to do is to not set up expectations. I mean, I did a little bit of that between episodes one and two and found myself really disappointed in two. And I think I'm going to be like Steve. I think I'm going to be very interested in in picking up various bits of information. Yeah, I can't wait to see who the director is. I can't wait to see, hey, is it really going to be right after Return of the Jedi? Is it going to be 30 years later? I'd be interested just to see what the the setting of the movie is. But that said, I'm 
probably as we get closer to the release, we'll probably start shielding myself away from some of that kind of information because you know I don't want to I don't want to know the plot. I, I don't want to read the the back of the soundtrack to see who dies or read the novel to get the whole story. I like reading the novels actually after seeing the movie. I think that's what made Revenge of the Sith a complete experience was seeing the movie, then reading the book and having some of those. Oh, got it. Now I understand that one scene so much better. I can fill in the gaps between this scene and that scene in my head, and you know that's that's awfully fun, but. Yeah, hey, I'm excited. There's there's nothing like keeping Star Wars going. Andrew? At the beginning of the year, I was kind of starting to almost look forward to another uh, you know, dark times in Star Wars. My my collecting has expanded exponentially over the last, you know, 10 years since I started having gainful employment, but I was starting to get Tired with it, not tired of it, but tired with it, where I felt like it was, it, was, it was everywhere. It was almost getting to be too much, and I really wanted it to scale back a little bit. Um, that said, when they announced that there were going to be more movies, everything changed, and now I can't wait. Uh, the thing that excites me the most is that we have no idea what these movies are going to be. You know, we knew what the prequels were kind of going to be. We knew the story. We knew where most of the characters were going to end up by the end. But with this, we really have no idea, especially since they've said that they're not really going to be basing the books off of the EU. Uh, I think that they'll probably, you know, pull some characters and maybe a couple of loose ideas from the expanded universe, uh, kind of like what the Marvel movies do with the comics, you know, they kind of pull tidbits, um, but they don't actually retell complete stories that were told in the comics. But that's what really excites me is the unknown. And I can't wait uh, to start getting official announcements from Lucasfilm, like who's the director going to be, who's going to be in it, even if it's, you know, a, a small character. Like I remember when the prequels were coming out and they would interview, you know, actresses and actors that were going to be in the movie. I was like, oh, that character sounds great. And then you go see the movie and they were only on screen for five minutes, but it didn't matter because it was, it was new star Wars and going to see star Wars in a theater with a community of people who also love star Wars is one of the greatest experiences that a star Wars fan can have. And that moment when the lights go down and the, you know, well, it'll be the, the Disney, logo and then lucasfilm limited and then a long time ago in a galaxy far far away that moment is going to bring chills up my spine i guarantee it brock what about you well i am very happy that it ended up at disney as opposed to someplace else i am like sarah i'm a lifelong disney fan i'm not going to compete with sarah about who the bigger disney fan is i will lose but i do like that disney is in charge of this property and i have high hopes there for creativity issues as far as the new movie, well, I knew we were going to get a new movie before my lifetime ended. I mean, in theory, having a, you know, in my mind, there was no doubt that we're going to get an episode seven eventually, whether or not it was going to come this decade. Well, no, I didn't think it was going to come so soon. I figured, you know, when the kids owned the property is when we're going to get it. So it's going to come sooner than expected. And what makes me very happy about this news, even if it's the worst Star Wars movie ever is I get to see a Star Wars movie for the first time with my kids. And it makes me so happy to think that. Now, my boy will probably not be old enough to go see the first one, but my daughter certainly will be. So it's going to be just fantastic. The, the four of us could get to go see the second and third one, probably, as a family. And since Star Wars is such a big part of my life, and it means so much that my whole family, when I was younger, get to see Star Wars movies together. Now I get to do it with my own family. Bring it on. Yeah, I just I don't care how bad or good they are as long as I get to go with them. So I'm looking forward to it that way. And you all know I'm spoiler-free on this stuff anyway. You can't avoid actor names. You can't avoid directors and things like that. But as far as plot goes, I'm going to be completely spoiler-free and take it in the first day when the movie comes out in 2015. Now, Andrew, you brought up a very interesting point about collecting. And when I was looking at the beginning of this year and I was talking to Gus about collecting and things, and... Hasbro's distribution, which we'll get into a lot more detail next week, I was starting to think about 
also slowing down my modern collecting a little bit and looking more at vintage collecting, vintage carded figures and things along those lines and trying to get some of those old items. But I think one of the things that panicked me when I heard there was going to be an episode seven is quite simply where to put the stuff. You mentioned about collecting exploding since becoming gainfully employed, and I am in that exact same boat where once I got a real job, I was able to start collecting really hardcore, and that's around the same time we started this podcast, and I went from just collecting action figures and thinking, wow, these are expensive, but I love them, to collecting premium format figures and prop replicas going, wow, these are expensive, but I love them, and... When I realized there's going to be episodes not just 7, but 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, and if Disney has its way, 13 to 20, and they've already talked about in the rumors, and the and not even rumors, but interviews, doing like spin-off things, making it like the Avengers universe. We could have a side movie that isn't episode 7, focusing on Boba Fett and things, and the sheer volume of merchandising that's going to take place has to be daunting for every Star Wars collector. So, Steve, we'll start with you. How do you plan on handling that as a collector? Well, I I like to think that my collecting patterns are going to remain the same, which is, if I like it and it's in within the lines that I collect, then I'm going to pick it up. But I, I think the biggest decision I've got to make is, do I keep going with my main collection which is collecting or or trying to collect every in film three and three quarter inch action figure um that's that's out there and if there's there's three new films or as you say many more new films do i keep going with that i mean i i I must have um between 800 to to a thousand three and three quarter inch action figures in in two giant display cases and there's room for some enlargement there there's room for perhaps another hundred to two hundred um, but physically, space is, is my biggest restrictor. I don't, I don't live in a big house. Um, my collecting room is, is already close to being full. M- my loft is three quarters full with all the stuff that I haven't currently got on display. And I am in a position where I sort of rotate collectibles in and out of the collecting room. There's stuff creeping all around the house, as, 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 as my friends like to point out every time they come round. Uh, and I don't, I don't want to move house just because my collection is outgrowing the space that I've got. Um, I need to adapt my collecting to, to fit where I currently live, not not build a new house or, or buy a new house to fit that in. So, you know, I, I think there are decisions that I'm going to have to make. Um, I, I too have been sort of looking backwards more than looking forwards, perhaps perhaps this year at times. Um, but... I suppose it's it's a, a, a suck it and see. I, I will wait and see what the new films are looking like. And if if you had to press me now for a decision, I think I'm probably sort of seventy percent certain that I will con- continue buying stuff uh, connected with the new films um, and just try and expand in in a reasonable way rather than perhaps taking the approach that we had a, around the sort of Phantom Menace time where where we all bought a glut of stuff that. Perhaps we shouldn't have done, or perhaps we, you know, we bought stuff that we didn't need to buy. Hey, what's wrong with buying a bigger house just for your stuff? <laughs> yes, yeah, that, we, that, we we break ground next week. What are you talking about, dude? That, that was a dig at all you Americans. America is a much bigger <laughs> place than the UK. We don't have we don't have spare land over here. Uh, we can't go building houses willy nilly. Um, I, I I do live in quite a small house, and there's only me and Suzanne. We don't have any kids, and I. I don't want to move just because I've got a collection that's outgrowing my house. But, you know, we'll have to say in two years time, I I might be uh, breaking ground as well. Well, we can always do what Steve Sansweet does and not build a bigger house, but just a second one. My sister does have a um, a, when she moved into her house, she she bought it off an artist and he did have a studio uh, upstairs and it's currently unused still in the house that she bought. So I, I have already had sort of initial discussions about uh, perhaps renting that space as a, a as a sidearm to my collection as an alternative. Jerry, what about you with collecting? You do have kids. <laughs> well, yes, yes, I do. Um, you know, the thing is, I solved this problem years ago. I have so few things in my collection right now that are from the prequels. 
you know, I was all in for episodes one and two. Episode three, I backed off and just said, hey, I'm only going to get the figures that I really like and or characters that are original trilogy characters as well, such as Chewbacca this, C-3PO that, Emperor, the Mon Mothma for crying out loud, the Tarkin figure they made of Revenge of the Sith, etc., etc. But then even a couple years after that, I'm like, okay, I got too much crap. I love the original trilogy in all sorts of ways. The prequel trilogy is something I, I like and I enjoy the movies and I want to be a fan of the movies. And I know a lot about it from a story, character perspective, read the books, blah, 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 blah. But I don't want to be a prequel collector. And then come 2008, I didn't even touch the Clone Wars. And obviously I'm on Republic Forces Radio Network, so I, I follow the show and enjoy the show. So I was able to years ago to disconnect what I love from what I collect. I love Star Wars in all sorts of ways and so many aspects of it, but my collecting is 95 to 99% original trilogy, be it vintage or not. The exceptions are things that are just really, really cool. Like, yeah, I, I got that Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan Kenobi figures from the, with the little light-up lightsabers, you know, that came in the three and three-quarter inch line. Those are cool. You know, but that, that to me isn't crossing the line. Oh, crap, now I'm a prequel collector. No, no, no. So when these movies come out, I, I've, I've already got the, the, the boundaries drawn. I've already got the, the firewalls in place to say, no, no, this is not a collecting risk. I'm just going to go watch these movies and be a fan of the movie. Interesting term there, collecting risk. And that's kind of where I feel I'm sitting is because I look at how I've collected in the past six years we've been doing Star Wars action news. And I went from somebody who didn't have the money to even dream about buying high-end prop replicas to somebody who flirted with being a completist and... Oh my god, there's backpack buddies that come with fruit roll-ups that are only at Sam's Club? Let's get a membership. Remember those? I do, and that didn't go well, if you recall. I don't think I'm allowed to go to that Costco anymore. The Costco was a different one. These were the Sam's Club mm -hmm. fruit roll-ups, backpack that had, like, Mace Windu on them. And going through Celebration 3 and Celebration 4 and Celebration 5 and picking up Every bit of swag and Marjorie asking what in retrospect seems like a very logical question. What are you going to do with that? And now having totes upon totes upon totes of things that I have good memories of, but legitimately I could expand infinitely and not have a way to display. I remember when I was talking to Steve Sansweet about art collecting and he talked about having drafting boards and the drawers from architects that he keeps his prints in because there's so much art and when this year hit i think i was already coming to the realization when we moved that yes i'm moving to a bigger space and i'm gonna be honest i moved to a much bigger house because of the collection that was the impetus that was at least 60 percent 40 percent was having a shorter drive to work saving on gas money so i could buy more collectibles but when I moved it all, I had to realize there's just never going to be enough room to display those little cardboard holocrons that I picked up at Celebration 3. And started to do what Marjorie had been trying to get through my thick skull for years, display things that I like and that I'm proud of instead of, hey, look, mini-mates. Or the miniature games with the bent lightsabers. Okay, but my problem was that I was bagging and boarding advertising inserts that came with the fan club mailer like crap from code three just and it had a picture of a tie fighter on it and so that had to be kept and i've never bagged and boarded so much junk in my life and i don't know what you're gonna do with it no one's ever gonna pay for it so i don't know what you would do with it i mean that's pull it out save the bags and boards for your comics and throw it in the trash and this takes me back to Jerry, you with the collecting risk. And I open this up to the crowd because I'm being very logical right here when there's not a movie looming over me and saying, yes, I'm going to focus my money. And instead of spending, what do we spend this year? Remember the cereal boxes with the pens? We probably bought a hundred dollars worth of cereal. However, 
You had a lot of fun eating cookie crisp for breakfast. Oh, yeah. Cookie crisp. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but in that way, it was edible. At least it wasn't pitched the way we pitched so many Burger King meals. But how do you define collecting risk when you see something that looks cool and looks novel? And as a collector, and we all have a history of being collectors, how do you stop yourself from picking up that tchotchke when the movie hits and there's going to be so much cool swag. I just go with my gut. If I like it, I pick it up. Uh, and it, for, for me, it's as, as simple as that. If, if I like it, if I can afford it, I, I pick it up and later down the line, um, if it's if it's something that I've acquired that, you know, I look back on and think, oh, I, I don't need that, I'm quite prepared to, to throw it out. I think for me... Uh, you know, I have Sarah as a sounding board, kind of kind of as Marjorie was echoing there that, um, do you really need that? What are you going to do with that? When Marjorie was, was saying that she said that about you, all I could hear was Sarah's voice in my head going, what are you going to do with that? Because um, obviously space is a premium here where, where we're at as well. But you kind of have to, you know, it's, it's easy to say, oh, well, I'm not going to get into that. But when you get into the hype of a movie, I can tell you that my hype built as we went from one to two to three. And by three, I was I was all in. And since then, I've kind of had to realize that, hey, I, I can't do it all. Not necessarily for a lack of resources, but for a lack of space and a lack of being able to display it. Yeah, no, I'm in agreement. The whole space thing. You know, I collect Disney Cinderella, and I'm very, very picky. And if I don't like it, I just don't get it. And there are also times where if it's just too large and I really love it, well, you know what? I just don't have the room for it. And I just have to accept that fact. You know, you just you have to listen to, you know, your spouse, your better half, for, you know, a little bit of guidance sometimes. And sometimes it's just the realistic of, you know, I just don't have the room or the money. I just can't do it. I'm a very picky collector. I like what I like. and I buy what I like. And I've been that way because originally I had no money back in The Phantom Menace. And I was very picky and I was able to pick things up on eBay. I've been playing the long game for as long as I've been collecting. But um, my worry is other people buying me crap I don't want. I have in-laws. I have relatives. I have family members <laughs> who buy me all this stuff I don't want because they go to McDonald's and they pick up the Happy Meal and they give me the toy. And while some of it's really cool, what am I going to do with this stuff? I'm not going to display it So, because I don't have the space to do that. So that's what I'm really worried about because my son is probably going to get a lot of Star Wars toys from the new movie, so I'm set. <laughs> yeah, see, Brock, you, th there's your out. Anything you get that you're just like, oh, hey, thanks. Um, I mean, I don't know how old your son will be exactly, but he's going to be at a pretty good age to enjoy these movies like we did the original trilogy, I, I presume, and yeah, anything you don't want, shuffle it over to him. And if there's something you do kind of want, just say, "Oh, well, well I'm, I'm getting it for getting get it for the boy." This Luke Skywalker's for Daddy. Yeah. And going back to the whole getting stuff that you don't like or you don't want from those members of the family that think, "Oh, this is great." Um, Chris and I will just put it in a donation box and we'll take it to Goodwill or we'll give it to a kid who's just starting to get interested in Star Wars, but. We're not going to keep it just because of maybe there's a guilt factor. If we don't want it, it's not going to fit into our collection. We appreciate it. We say thank you, but we give it to someone else who's going to probably appreciate it more than we will. I have an unwritten rule now with my family that that no one buys me Star Wars stuff. Um, Suzanne buys all the Star Wars stuff, and if they want to give me something Star Wars for Christmas or birthday, they buy it off Suzanne. And that way I have a control over some of the crap or some of the multiple... Uh, buy-in of items that you know that families often do. The only person who's allowed is, is my good friend Paul, who can buy me uh, what he likes because he's like me. You know, he's a, a Star Wars collector. And he, uh, he has a good handle on what I like and don't like, and what I have and don't have. Um, so that, that's the way I cope with it. Thankfully, my uh, family stopped buying me Star Wars stuff many years ago because they were afraid that I already had it, so they just didn't buy it in the first place. Well, let's get to the larger aspect, because Chris, Sarah, you guys specifically, but Brock additionally, mentioned being Disney fans and excited that Disney bought Star Wars. But yet, what I'm hearing overall is a bit of a realization, like I've had, of a stepping back on the 
amount of collecting and a sharpening of the focus of collecting. So if that's the case, what difference does it make who owns it? If it was Lucasfilm, Disney, 20th Century Fox, or Halliburton? From a collecting standpoint or creativity or a creative one? I would think, to me, it's all the same because it's all coming from Lucasfilm and the Lucasfilm employees are staying in place. So why does the person who wrote the check excite you? From a collecting standpoint, I'm happy because we're going to get all, a variety of different kinds of types of items readily available for me to pick and choose from. Just because I'm going to be more selective doesn't mean I'm not going to enjoy having the selection to choose from and find out what I want. Disney is is the king of merchandising. <laughs> They're really good. They're up there with Lucas in the amount of stuff they can do. And I do enjoy the crossovers of Disney and Star Wars as well. I have a small figure collection here. Chris helped me expand that collection this year. Thank you, Chris and Sarah. And so I, I, I like the fact that Disney has it because not only will they cultivate it more with these new movies, but they'll cultivate it for 30, 40, 50, 60 years. No one else can keep an old property relevant like the Disney company. Star Wars now is forever. Let's look at the Disney princesses and your proof is right there. And I think Brock just hit it on the head for me. I mean, that's that's what it comes to. If there was going to be any anybody who was going to be tasked with taking this from, from Lucasfilm, now I understand the employees are still going to be in place and that's not really going to change, but if there was going to be this overseer who was going to take this over, there was nobody better in my mind than Disney. I had actually been saying for years that I expected Disney to make a play at Lucasfilm, specifically for the Star Wars franchise. So when the news broke, I wasn't quite as shocked as everyone else. I was a little shocked because obviously it was just kind of sudden and there was no lead up to the news. But for me, the overall news, that didn't really impact me because I had seen that coming for a while. But, I mean, there's a lot of good things that I think are going to go there. And Steve touched on it earlier that some of the good things with Disney taking it is, is that Lucas, Lucas is going to take a step back and he's going to let other people have the reins. He's going to generate ideas. And Disney's proven that they can take ideas and they can run with them. And, um, I mean, I think this year there was one movie that came out in the box office that kind of proves that uh, they have a handle on it. John Carter from Mars? <laughs> <laughs> Let's not forget, same creative poke. Yes, but I think with John Carter from Mars, now while I can't say that I've seen it, everybody that I've talked to that has seen it said it was a good movie. I think the, the, the marketing campaign for it was, was done horribly. I, I don't think they, they explained what it was. I didn't know it was based on a book. Someone had to tell me that, but... I think that, that they just didn't do a good job of getting out there what it was. You're not going to have to worry about that with Star Wars. Everybody knows what Star Wars is. Those people who told you it was a good movie lied, Andrew. <laughs> I, I, I'd like to throw in the the, the uh, sort of relationship Disney's already got with Star Wars. That uh, I mean, through the parks, they, they've sort of had uh, 10, 20 years of, of working with Lucasfilm al already. So what what why I think they're a particularly safe pair of hands is they have a feel for, for Star Wars already. Um, and, and, and don't forget the, the, the parks aspect of it as well. I, I think that's something that Disney brings that, that none of the other potential buyers uh, could, could have brought either. Yeah, that, that's a great point, Steve. I know Sarah and I were really excited about the fact that they may be able to expand what they have at Hollywood Studios. Now, I, while I don't see them ever doing a, a fully dedicated Star Wars theme park, I definitely think they could make that section bigger and do some more with it. And that, that excites me. I mean, they, they, Universal has the Harry Potter th uh, theme, and they've done well with that. So why wouldn't expanding on a Star Wars theme at Disney do well? I think it would be gangbusters. I think they're going to redo Tomorrowland to Star Wars Land. Well, you know what? And that wouldn't hurt either because Tomorrowland is, is it's somewhat dilapidated. Uh, uh, it's somewhat in disrepair, if, if, if you ask me. It's just not as... <laughs> crisp it's not as clean as the other parts of the park it's also terribly dated uh, yeah it's almost yesterday land yeah absolutely <laughs> i agree although i would miss that carousel ride that they have where they take you through all the ages starting in like the 40s and taking you through to the the future of the 21st century that that's a hoot the carousel of progress yeah but that makes no sense for tomorrow land because star wars took place a long time ago it's all wrong. Yeah, it would be the first thing. It would be where you start. It was a long time ago. Uh, Touche. 
<laughs> well, guys, thank you all for joining us. This has been a blast. Now, most of you will be back next week when we start looking much more specifically at collecting in 2012, looking back on the year that was with Hasbro, Sideshow, FX Collectibles, Gentle Giant, and so many more. All right. Thanks, Arnie. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Yep. Thank you for listening to Star Wars Action News. You can find even more Star Wars coverage at our sister podcast, Republic Forces Radio Network, where we review each episode of the Clone Wars cartoon series. You can find that show at republicforces.com. If you're into Star Wars novels, check out the Star Wars Action News Book Club, where we read and review all the Star Wars novels. That podcast is at swactionnews.com. We want your feedback and suggestions for Star Wars Action News. You can email us at show at swactionnews.com or post your thoughts in the Star Wars Action News forums at swactionnews.com, the most friendly forums on the web. You can be on Star Wars Action News by calling our voicemail at 415-508-JEDI or sending an MP3 or iPhone voice memo to show at swactionnews.com. All materials submitted become the property of Star Wars Action News and are subject to use on our show. You can help support Star Wars Action News by using the affiliate links on our homepage when shopping online. We would also appreciate it if you spread the word about Star Wars Action News by posting about us on Twitter, Facebook, MySpace, or just tell a friend about the show. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review on iTunes, and you can also cast a vote for us each month at Podcast Alley. Links to both can be found on our homepage at SWActionNews.com. For more Star Wars collecting, please visit YakFace.com and JediTempleArchives.com, and we thank those sites for their support of Star Wars Action News. Star Wars Action News is created, produced, and hosted by Marjorie and Arnie. The Star Wars Action News team is website designed by Jason, associate produced and announcements by Brock, reporters Jerry, Dan, Steve, and Justin, graphic design by Chris, and podcast enhancement by Barrett. Star Wars Action News is not affiliated with Lucasfilm Limited. The show is created by fans showing their love of Star Wars. Star Wars and all the Star Wars universe contains is trademarked and copyright Lucasfilm Limited, all rights reserved. Until next time, may the pegs be stocked and the Force be with you. Star Wars Action News. Now this is podcasting. Star Wars Action News is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2012, all rights reserved. And then also joining us, we talked to them back at Celebration 6, Chris and Sarah Ham. Chris, Chris and... Blah, crap. Now I have to edit. <laughs> <laughs>